You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 87. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. This is your host, Jesse Mogul. I am a pleasure to have you here. I, I'm stumbling on my words already. <laughs> 20 seconds into the show. Um, as you know, um, I am in addiction recovery along with the rest of you who are really starting to just surprise me with the with the depth that you have in your characters and your will to uh, really just reach towards the best version of yourselves. So many of you have reached out lately. I've gotten some great feedback on the interview series that I ran. Um, a lot of you loved basically the one-hour rant that I gave last week. Um, I was just definitely in a mood of energy. Um, this week, again, as always, I'm just so happy to get on the microphone. And, and I really think that because I've been connecting with so many of you, uh, I've done you know some really great interviews with some of you for the podcast, or a lot of you I've just uh, interviewed and conversated about where you see there being a lack and, and where there could be more of within the addiction recovery community uh, as far as you know recovery programs go and, and better ways to make coaching better. And you know you really helped me understand a lot with some of these market research interviews that we've done together. And then a lot of you just DMing me through Instagram and uh, joining the Facebook group from Sobriety to Recovery. It's not the same as a page. It's a group. Go over there. Um, if you have tried to join and you have feel like you have been declined, I'm very, very aware of the accounts that have been started recently who have bogus pictures on them. So if I inadvertently booted you from the group because I thought that you were a spam hacker, then uh, send me a message and let me know that I've done that because uh, it seems like I'm getting a lot of those, along with the real people. You know, if you started your account 13 weeks ago, <laughs> I'm going to be a little weary of that if you're in your 30s or 40s because <laughs> you know, Facebook has been around for a while. So, um, But yeah, there's a lot of your faces that I can see in my head as I, as I put these show notes together and I really get this episode together. And this is certainly one of those that I could have overprepared for. I actually had to stop um, writing my notes and, and stop looking for more information because it was getting out of control. And so <laughs> it's like, I want to bring the most amazing value ever. And so many of you have said such nice things to me about the show um, via your messages that it's like, I, I want to continuously raise the bar on myself, you know, to 87 episodes in, I still want you to be blown away by the things that I'm talking about, right? And it's just a great feeling to have, right? I love the bar being raised. Um, got some really cool books I'll be reading and bringing to you guys soon. Uh, you know, one of the ones we're going to talk about in the future is uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I've been chomping at the bit to get into that book. I'm finishing up The Untethered Soul, which is just uh, an insane book. It uh, is, it's been one of those I've had to restart like five times because it's, it becomes so much for my brain to try to process. And I have this thing when I read books where I really, really, really want to be able to absorb as much of it as possible. When I feel like I'm lacking in the absorption process, I'll stop reading it um, out, of, out of like this, if it can't be perfect, then I'm not even going to do it. And uh, so... See, even 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 I, it's like sometimes I get people say things like, um, you know, like I can do no wrong, and 
can assure you, <laughs> as a life coach, I don't have everything figured out. <laughs> I just have a plan in place to begin to start figuring it out. And I really think that's that's what it is that I I, I bring to y'all is that you're never going to have it all figured out, right? Like that's an impossibility. But you can have a plan in place to begin to figure it out. So when I can't absorb a book the way that I want, um, what I recently realized is that I had this thing about washing my car where if I couldn't detail it and really wash it to like, you know, this professional level, I wouldn't even wash it at all. And then my car would sit there with dust on it for like six to eight weeks when I could have at least drove into the driven to the local corner car wash, gotten the pressure washer, pressure washed some soap onto it, pressure washed some the, the soap off, did the little wax non-spotty dry thing, and at least the car would have been cleaner. Would it have been you know vacuumed underneath the seat? No, but it would it have been cleaner? And it's took me a long time to be able to say. At least this is this is good. It's not as great as I'd prefer it, but it's good. And so I bring that to my reading now, where it's like, okay, I may not be able to memorize everything. I may not be able to sit there with a highlighter and index cards and and take, you know, just the most in depth notes known to mankind. But I can certainly read the book and at least get that information seen by my eyes, absorbed as much as it can be the first time through with my brain. And now it becomes a part of this, you know, sort of amalgamation of data in my head. So then I can then use it to create something amazing, right? And that, that's that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for this ability to, you know, do things and then we do something with them. I have this rule where nothing, no input unless there's an output coming. I used to just absorb all this information and I would my, it would just be this discombobulation of information inside of my head and I wouldn't even begin to, to, to locate it in there, let alone be able to regurgitate it out in some sort of intelligent manner for it to be useful to anyone, least myself. And so now I'm very, very aware of what I put into my brain in order for it, there to be uh, a purpose for it. Right. I mean, yeah, I still watch football and, I, and I'll Netflix and chill. Not everything I, I do has to be of the utmost importance. But if I'm going to sit down and read a book, I want to know why I'm reading that book. It's what keeps me fired up to read the book. So I would just say, you know, be mindful for yourself. It's like if you're going to sit down and read a book or watch a show. I mean, sometimes I'm just watching a show. The input of the show is the output is me relaxing. It can be that, too. It doesn't have to be like, I'm, you know, I got into Daring Greatly so much, I went out and bought the book, got the PDF of the book, and got the audio of the book, and was taking the most in-depth notes, and it's great. I can't wait to finish that up and, and be able to integrate that into a program that I'm putting together. At the same time, that wasn't the most pertinent thing I could be doing with my time right now. What I want to do with Daring Greatly is, is a program to, to come to fruition in March. It doesn't need to be done now. So ask yourself when you're going to do something, is this the best use of my time now? It can be something that can wait till later if there's something more pertinent that you would rather be doing now. It's not that you're quitting on something. It's not that you're, you know, uh, a quitter, right? You know, we yes, we all say goodbye to booze, but let's face it, you know, quitting reading a book because you're afraid you're not going to be able to remember all of it versus <laughs> leaving behind one of the worst poisons that humankind's ever come up with, drugs or booze, it doesn't matter which one I'm referencing right now, is a good thing. So keep in mind and cheer yourself. What are you doing whenever you 
go to sit down and read a book. And don't be upset with yourself if you don't memorize all of it. Just know that anything is better than nothing, right? I'm back into the gym now, not real gyms. I'm working out in my apartment, but I'm, I'm back into working out. And even though I've still got some major issues with my shoulder and my right arm and my neck, I can't do the things that I used to do. Any workout is better than no workout. Anything done moving yourself forward is better than standing still thinking about what you could be doing to move yourself forward. And then that got me to thinking about why is it that we will stop ourselves from doing something that we want to do, to do and then it ends up causing us great strife in our lives because we wish that we would have done it then, right? Best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. It's the second best time to plant a tree is today. So how is it that we're getting ourselves caught up in this this paradox of time where it's like, well, I'm frustrated that I didn't do it a month ago, so I'm going to continue being frustrated about it now, and I'm not going to do any movement on it. I'm just going to sit here in this anxiety, depression, you know, sort of uh, disappointment in myself kind of attitude. And then that got me thinking about how often do we forget where we were when all of this started? and then I started to self-reflect and ask myself, where in my life am I having these automatic negative thoughts about where I am today versus where I would prefer to be today? And then if I want to draw a line, which is more of like a squiggly roller coaster kind of line back to the beginning, and if I were to say to Jesse on January 12th, 2017, the day before I called Kaiser and, and got sober, if I would have told that version of myself that, you know, oh, what am I at, 45 months now? 45 months into my sobriety, that I would be an NLP master trainer, that I would be have multiple certifications in life coaching, executive coaching, business coaching, hypnotherapy. If, if I would have read over 50 books, if I would have been, you know, closing in on, a hundred episodes of each of my podcasts, if I would have spoken at over 50 events and I'd have a best-selling book, if I would have told that version of myself that I would have accomplished all of this in 45 months, I would have lost my freaking mind. I'd have been like, are you serious? I'm going to do all of that in the span of about four years when I couldn't even have accomplished, you know, one-tenth of that up until now? When my greatest achievement was graduating college in 12 years, right? And, and again, my achievements versus your achievements do not use me as a measuring stick. Use nobody else as a measuring stick. You are you. I am me. We all have our own journey. We all have our own destiny where, that we're dr- striving ourselves for, right? We all have our own um, you know, potential that we want to live up to for ourselves. Nobody else. This is really about what, what it is that we want to strive for? What is the divinity that we're looking for in our lives? So that's my little sidebar about don't listen to all the stuff I just said I've accomplished and, and start using me as a measuring stick and say, well, I've done more than him or I've done less than him because that is not the point. The point is that we're all on our own journeys, right? We're, we're, we're going all the way up the mountain in whatever pace that it takes. And now I'm talking about pace, right? Because if we go back to that, you know, the day before day one and tell myself that all of this stuff would have happened. I would have been so ecstatic. I I couldn't wait to get into all of that stuff and begin to achieve it. And I'm sure there's things that I'm forgetting because I've gone to so many conferences and I've, I've, I've just, I've done a ton and 
yet at the same time, I can get down on myself that I haven't done enough. I haven't reached enough people that my podcast doesn't get thousands and thousands of downloads within the first hour that it comes out, that I didn't become a New York Times bestseller, or I don't have abs of steel, or you know, I don't have my RV yet, and I don't have 50 colleges clamoring for my services, you know, my phone ringing off the hook with speaking engagements. Like There can always be something that you can look at. That I, let's just, let's just, I, I don't want to assume what you're going through. So let me just say for myself that there's always be something that I wish was better, right? There's always going to be that point in your life where you're like the hedonistic adaptation. I keep talking about this until you finally will remember it is the fact that the human brain can get used to anything good or bad. It can get used to anything at this point in the pandemic. We've all, you know, various states have various things, various countries have various things, but we're still wearing masks and we're still in somewhat of a lockdown protocol, right? At some point, like, we can continue to bitch about it, but at some point, like, our schedules and the things that we used to do versus what we do now, we've just sort of gotten used to it. That's hedonistic adaptation. And so the hedonistic adaptation for your own self can be that you forgot where it all began that you don't remember how it used to be. And that's why last week I went on a one-hour rant about going back to basics. Because sometimes we forget how much we would have traded everything for then to just have 10% of what we have now. And then we can look, we can look back to the cows come home and not see what we've become, but instead see what we think we should have already achieved or become. And this is, this is, this is not good. Okay, this is the thinking that got us here in the first place, right? And add on to that the fact that many of us already think that we wasted a hell of a ton of time just being wasted on drugs and booze and the like, right? So then where does that leave us now? Right now we're in this feedback loop where we consistently are looking at ourselves saying, uh, yes, I've achieved a lot, but I haven't achieved enough or I haven't achieved as, a, as much as somebody else. So now I'm going to look at what they're doing and question all the decisions I'm making instead of staying in my own lane and doing what I want to do the way that I want to do it. There's always going to be somebody out there who's warming up with your max. That's a term I learned in, uh, that's a phrase I learned when I used to do CrossFit a long time ago was that it was basically like, you know, be humble, chill yourself out. Cause right now somebody's out there warming up with your max weight, just chill it out and, and don't be measuring yourself against other people. And, and I would be very weary of even measuring yourself against yourself. Okay. So when you do that, all that, when that, when you have this, um, automatic negative thoughts, and that's really going to be the thesis for this entire uh, episode, because when we start thinking about uh, where it all began and going back to basics, the idea is that we don't forget the amazing journey that has gotten us where we're at today. And will all the pieces have fallen into place perfectly? Will we have the, the finances that we've always dreamed of, the, the career that fires us up every day, a relationship that, you know, is, is the end-all, be-all, and is always la, 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 follow you little big road, happy. It's, I mean, it's preposterous. It is our human nature to seek uh, a greatness for ourselves, to seek to raise the bar. You know, you, you run a mile in 12 minutes and you decide, well, now I want to run it in 1145. It's, it's very rare that you'll find anyone within the human species that can just be complacent in every aspect of their lives. There will be certain places where we're completely content with what's going on, but there will be other areas where we are not. And it's not a, 
bad that you don't want every single area to constantly be prioritized because if you prioritize everything, then you prioritize nothing. That's really what I've had to check myself with during this pandemic. You know, I want to launch a coaching program for sober sessions and and rock that out. And I want to be speaking at colleges on Zoom. And I want to put together this communication uh, program for realtors and and salespeople. And then I want to bring a similar program like that to the sobriety community. And I want to go on a book signing tour. After a while, it's like if I try to prioritize everything, I end up prioritizing nothing. Then nothing gets done. And then I look at myself down the road and I, I look back and say, what the frick, dude? You didn't, all these things that you wanted to do and none of them got done. Instead of focusing in on one at a time and then six months later, they're all done. It's like when you try to clean your house, if you just clean one area for 30 seconds and then move to the next area and you've got six areas of your house, right? So every three minutes you're cycling through all six areas. How long do you think it's going to take to clean your house? Because you don't get a chance to get yourself into flow which is where your your brain just gets you into like this unconscious energy where you're just rocking things out. So when we're thinking about back to basics and we start to look back at where we were versus where we are now, and I hope that you're following along with this because in my brain, this whole thing is totally making sense. <laughs> I mean, I really, I mean, really, in my head, I've got this whole thing. Uh, every line is completely connecting to the next line. Um, let's go and review real fast to make sure that this is exactly what's happening. So <clears throat> we started off the conversation talking about how we want to go back to basics, right? And thinking about, you know, trying to read every book and memorize everything and, and always be perfect in every activity we do. And then we get ourselves stuck, which isn't really stuck. It's standing still, right? So if you, you want to, you want to get everything, you know, don't start a book unless you can memorize it. Don't pick up the guitar unless you can play your favorite song four hours later. Then you just end up standing still. You're not actually doing anything, right? And the goal here is that we're moving along ourselves in the journey. And then I started saying, okay, well, what's holding us back from moving ourselves along in the journey, right? It, it's it's this hedonistic adaptation where we just get used to this newer version of ourselves. And we'd forget what it used to be like back then when we would have traded everything for just 10% of what we have. Right, And then I started thinking about, okay, well, when people get down on themselves now, and rather than being happy with where they're at, what is that, what is it that's causing that? And it's these automatic negative thoughts. All right, when we start thinking about what these automatic negative thoughts are, it's being able to say, well, yeah, you know, I've got a great podcast and I help thousands of people, but why am I not helping tens of thousands of people? Right, rather than you just loving the fact that I'm helping thousands, why is there this automatic negative thought that says I'm not helping more? I'm not doing more to be a part of this community, right? And this, this is just one area, and this is definitely something I've thought about. But I'm just I'm I'm bringing us back into a summary to get us moved over into how we're going to discuss automatic negative thoughts now, and so I really hope I'm not making this even more complicated. <laughs> I'm pacing back and forth in my in my new office in my new apartment with my girlfriend and I'm just like this totally makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, this could you know, sometimes I mean I I don't want to get too far off track because I think I'll forget everything I've talked about. <laughs> but what I 
there are times where I get into this stuff and I'm like, man, either people are following along with me like it's the ABCs or I'm like that IT guy in Saturday Night Live where I just come in and I'm like, move. And I just slam on the keyboard a little bit and I'm like, done. And I just walk away like, figure it out. You should, come on, what I just did is easy to me. How can you not know what I'm talking about? So... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where you're at on that one, uh, but I certainly hope it's the ABCs and it's not the uh, the lost IT person. So anyways, um, the reason I want to talk about all of this is because when I find myself getting disappointed with where I'm at, I want to go back to basics and remember where I've been. And then when I when these when I get down on myself about where I'm at and I'm, and I forget where I've been, then I started to think, well, what causes this? And it's these automatic negative thoughts. And so I thought, okay, this is great. Let's discuss these automatic negative thoughts because if we don't, then you don't even know that they're happening. All right, and so automatic negative thoughts was something that was brought up. It's called ants, and it was originally coined by this na- guy named Dr. Daniel um, Amen. It, Amen. It looks like Amen. Um, where I learned it from was Jim Quick's Limitless book, and you've heard me talk about this guy a ton. And so these automatic negative thoughts get into you, and what ends up happening is that you just automatically will look and think of things negatively where you could be looking at them positively. You know, and I could look and say, well, you know, my book uh, was a, you know, was a bestseller, um, but it really was only a bestseller on Amazon. It wasn't a bestseller on New York Times. It's still a bestseller. I worked really hard at it. I marketed it really effectively. I did everything in my power to get it to where it was at because I, I wanted to be able to say it was a bestseller. I didn't spend nine months writing the thing to just have it get lost in the, sh- in the, the dust of anonymity, right? But when I get disappointed that it wasn't, you know, world renowned or whatever. I mean, one, my humility and my integrity and my, um, you know, my humility, integrity. Huh. How did I forget the third one in the triumvirate? I hope right now you guys are yelling it at the the podcast player. Humility, integrity, gratitude. I bet you were yelling gratitude, weren't you? Um, right? I'm just grateful that I, I that I had the wherewithal to write the book. I'm humbled by the fact that people even bought it, let alone wanted to read it. And my integrity, you know, I spent hundreds of hours putting it together. So why would I have an automatic negative thought about what it became? Right? Especially with colleges shut down and, my, and no ability to go to colleges and speak and really get the word out like I had intended. You know, it was what it is. Life is what it is. So why do we have these automatic negative thoughts, right? And you know, Brene Brown would say that a lot of the times we'll end up, um, and I had a really great Instagram conversation with someone about this recently. So if you're listening, you'll recognize that I'm talking about our conversation about how not to allow, don't let the fear of enjoying something so great because it could go, because one day that, that, that it's like, Right now, I'm doing this thing with my hand where it like goes up and down, up and down, like a like a little up and down, like little loop, right? So you, it's like you've got this little parabola. Is that what it's called? Right? Don't be afraid of enjoying the height of the joy because you realize at some point the roller coaster is going to go back down into a dip. The human emotions are like that. We're not going to be able to stay high all the time. It's certainly what we thought we could do, and that's why we used and drank and, and drugged for so much. But even then, the lows became super low. Well, now we're sober. Now we're doing our thing. And so now we realize, okay, well, if I 
really enjoy the joy of something. And at some point, I'm going to have to come back down, and I don't want to deal with that. So I just won't enjoy the joy as much. So when I come back down, I'm not coming back down from 100. I'm coming down from like a 60. So then when I go back down to a 30, it's okay, because I really only went down 30 rather than 70. Well, that's bullshit. Enjoy the, enjoy the high, man. Enjoy the high. And these automatic negative thoughts, they steal that opportunity. Brene Brown would say, why are we not enjoying the joy out of some fear that, we'll, that at some point it's going to come down? All we've really done is rob ourselves of 100% being present in the moment and enjoying what it was that we could have really embraced as an accomplishment or a feat or an exhilaration, whatever it might be. And so I want you to start thinking about that whenever you have the opportunity to really hit a level of joy that you didn't even know existed. When you hit that one month or that 100th month, enjoy that. Enjoy. There's a song by Robert Miles where the chorus is enjoy. Enjoy what you feel. Know that it's real. And, you know, enjoy what you do tonight. Um, you, is it, you don't have to live your life. Live your life in joy. Okay, I don't think I should have just busted out into song, but it's really cool. And if you type in Robert Miles, enjoy into the internet, it will give you this song. <laughs> so I've got this now, this hook now playing in my head. So these automatic negative thoughts, we we think that what they're doing is keeping us from enjoying joy uh, so that we don't get sad when the joy goes away. But what they're really doing is they're robbing us of the opportunity to really embrace the amazingness that is life. Right, and the and the thing with these with these ants, these automatic negative thoughts, they come and you know from the research I did, it was saying that they can come from mind reading, blame, labeling, guilt, fortune telling. I'd also add that judgments, shame, anger, and self doubt. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from from the myriad of articles I read about negative thoughts, and and you know, and Jim Quick really really talks about this in, in great depth um, a couple times on his podcast but I think some guy who teaches tapping was part of it and tapping super dope and I'm not knocking that at all but that's not where I, the book went with it um, but you know mind reading for sure blame labeling guilt fortune telling um, which you know those I no doubt I definitely think that those can spur on the automatic negative thoughts but really, when I came up with uh, my also ads of judgment, shame, anger, self-doubt, shame, because I've been reading Brene Brown so much, anger, because um, I tend to have a very short fuse sometimes, but it was judgments and self-doubt. I think that a majority of people's automatic negative thoughts will come from judgments of themselves and the self-doubt that they're worthy, the self-doubt that they can, the self-doubt that, that anything good should be brought upon them because of all of the shame or anger that they are blame that they're taking on about who they used to be and what we used to do, right? You know, when my automatic negative thoughts come in, they tend to be uh, based in judgments and self-doubt, right? You know, it's like anytime you take on a new career, anytime you take on a new thing, you know, there's going to be a time where we're just novices and we're just learning things. And for the last, you know, well, for the first couple of years when I was getting into NLP and I was learning life coaching, you know, people would constantly question, why did I think I was going to be a great life coach? And I would have to ask myself, well, why do I think that? 
right? I mean, it ultimately comes down to um, I have compassion and empathy and understanding of people's journeys and their plights and their history. I also know all this amazing stuff with NLP that can help me, uh, can help me help you move through it faster than traditional therapies often can. And really, it was just this inset, this this insistent need to take information that goes into my brain and and send it out to the world in order for it to be a contribution to society. And then I went off and studied in depth, like tens of books on how to be a great coach and how to listen effectively and how to teach things in a manner that they could easily be understood. And then I decided to do the absolute opposite of that teaching things so they could be easily understood thing on the podcast. Uh, I was flowing right there, and I just decided to crack a joke on myself. But there are times where I'm like, hmm, are you really are you really teaching this so it can be really easily understood? Um, or is your brain just getting super discombobulated? It could go either way. I'm either the ABCs or I'm the tech guy. Um, I, but I put a ton of effort into this. It'd be like, what makes a doctor a doctor? They go off and study for years and years and years and practice and practice and practice. And they learn from amazing mentors who teach them, you know, the, the force and all this other cool stuff. That's why I think I'm good at what I do. That and I get a ton of feedback that says, wow, I was here. This was a problem I was having. And now I have moved through the problem through your guidance. And this is something that any one of y'all can do. Anybody can just decide that they're going to completely change their lives, go off, learn a bunch of amazing stuff, put it into practice, get some great mentors, and then just start trial and erroring it until you've really perfected your craft, right? It's, it's you know, some people are like, well, doctors don't have a ton of room for trial and error. Well, they do because they do a lot of lab work. I have done thousands of hours of lab work with other aspiring coaches and NLP practitioners in order to really fine-tune what it is we're doing to make sure that it's the most effective. So when you go back to these automatic negative thoughts, I want you to ask yourself, are yours based in judgment and self-doubt or shame and anger? Are you mind-reading? Are you fortune-telling? Do you have guilt? Are you labeling things? Right? Do you see somebody else and label them as better than you because they look a certain way or dress a certain way or have certain things? All right? Are you blaming others for where you're at in life rather than accepting your choices? Right? So you might blame somebody else. And I, oh, well, I had the life I had because my mom or dad you know, beat me when I was a child and drank too much. So then you have automatic negative thoughts about where you're at in life and you go back and you blame them. Now, your traumas that happened to you when you were younger are by no means your fault, but now when you're older, it is your responsibility to figure out a way to heal yourself through them. Because no one else is going to care as much about you healing and moving through these past traumas as you are. But when you have these automatic negative thoughts about blame, and then you say, well, I am the way I am because of somebody else, you're releasing the power that you have over your own choices. Yes, you may have been treated horribly when you were a child in your teenage years, but you're the one who went out there and started using poison as medicine. And while some people would have been able to walk away from that in their 20s, for those of us who are, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're either, you know, a a former addict, a a current addict getting ready to be reformed, or you're a friend or family member of an addict, right? And so we have this opportunity in our 
later on, once we got out of the house and the parents weren't there you know, stepping on our lives and causing this trauma, we had an opportunity and a choice to change it, but we just chose not to. And for my case, I didn't even realize I was choosing not to as much as I had just gotten myself into a pattern of behavior that caused me to believe that I was, because I was the life of the party, everything was going well in my life. And so let's get this thing back to basics because I don't want to keep going on too much longer. So Jim Quick talks about a way that he helps himself overcome ants, these automatic negative thoughts. And so I'm going to rattle it off with you. You can always go Google Jim Quick and ants, and this will pop up somewhere out there. But um, he calls it Abra. And um, boy, I, when I saw Abra, I immediately thought Abracadabra, like magic. Like you can make these automatic negative thoughts go away like magic, and you can. And the reason you can is because you choose. You just make the choice to say, no. I'm not going to let this automatic negative thought control the way I see myself in my life. I mean, we're human humans. Our human nature isn't going to be to stay con- consistently, constantly, hyperly positive all the time. You don't want to be toxic positivity. You don't want to, like, I don't know, have your car explode in front of you and be like, yeah, I'm so glad that happened. It's going to be so cool to figure this out. Right? We're not looking for toxic positivity. Right, we're, what we're looking for is not this um, consistently constant negative viewpoint on things, because when you have a consistently negative viewpoint on things, it will literally stop you from trying things, because you just will naturally, inherently, even believe that it won't go well for you. You won't be able to figure it out. This is where a fixed mindset comes in. Developing a growth mindset principle number one in my book states that we can resolve anything. We can grow through anything. We can always pick up a new talent, passion, skill, or hobby if we decide to prioritize it. Last week, we talked about passions, how it first starts as a curiosity, then an interest, then it turns into a passion, and if you so choose it, it can move into being your purpose. Automatic negative thoughts can stop that in its tracks because you will just naturally think, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. Automatic negative thoughts literally are living inside the house of a fixed mindset. So when Jim Quick talks about Abra, and I think of it as Abracadabra, this is part of the magic that you can choose to move your brain into a growth mindset developmental stage at any point you choose with anything in your life. Okay, Jim says that the A is basically acknowledging that you're having this automatic negative thought, right? In, 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 in his book, he says that that which you resist persists, right? I mean, I remember, you know, I, um, that being like a political thing a few years ago. And so when I hear resist persist, I immediately, immediately reference up that that actually became a, like a saying in our society for a little while. And take the politics out of it now, just reminding you that it was once trending in our society that resisting something actually does cause it to persist. If you continuously try to push, 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 push away a negative thought, it actually will just start to spin out in your brain, right? It's like when we were trying to resist the lures of alcohol and drugs, and it just seemed like they were constantly there. Once we embrace the fact that this negative thought is happening, and we let it run its course, it actually can just exit stage left with a, with much less damage 
the damage is minimal because we've allowed it to just cycle through and move on. So acknowledge when you're having an automatic negative thought about yourself, about where you're at in recovery, about what it is you think that you should be doing versus what it is you're actually doing, about, uh, you know, acknowledge that you believe that you wasted a ton of time when you were boozing and drugging and now you're trying to make up for that. Like just acknowledge that you're having these thoughts because that's, that is in the beauty of acknowledgement. It loses its power. I'd be guaranteed if you typed in something into Google about, you know, uh, acknowledging uh, a pain takes away its power. Buddha probably said something about that. I know this sounds like some Buddha stuff. I come across his quotes all the time. So anyways, the A in Abra is acknowledging the automatic negative thought. All right. Then the B is deep breathing helps you relax and focus. Now, I'm not great at meditating, but I certainly am putting a lot of effort into understanding. Understanding is the wrong word. It is being self-aware of my breathing. So when I'm working out, I'm very mindful of the breath down and then the exhale up when I push the weight up or vice versa whenever I'm pulling, right? I'm just aware of the breathing. When I do yoga, is my breath always super awesome? No. Am I all lost in my head sometimes? Yes. So I'm just putting an actual prioritization into my brain to just be mindful of my breath. And that's what we're looking at here. Acknowledge the automatic negative thought and then deep Breathe in deep, relax, and focus, and just allow it to be, all right? It's like when you, and then the R is releasing the thought. So if you have this deep breathing and it's helping you focus, as you're breathing in deep, exhale out the automatic negative thought. Just release it. Don't push it, push it, push it away. Picture yourself standing there, right? And, and you've got your feet, feet firmly planted in your arm and your, your hand is out like in a stop sign motion. And on the other side of your palm is, is, like a, is, a, is a version of you. And you're pushing on the other versions of you, top of the head. And meanwhile, that, that, that other version of you is just flailing. And right now I'm flailing my arms in my room. God, I wish there was a way I could record this and post it on Instagram so you can see how ridiculous I look right now. Um, so you're flailing your arms while you're pushing at your head, right? right? When, you're, when you're trying to push something away and resist it, it just wants to fight harder. So breathe in deep and then release that thought visually see this negative thought as a, as a as a like a vibration if you're a feeler if you're somebody who who talks slowly and you feel things deeply then picture this as a feeling being exhaled out if you're if you're auditory then picture it as a sound and exhale that sound wave out if you're a visual picture it as like this ball of glowing light but you want to exhale it out exhaling it out is the, is the way of just saying okay I had this thought, now you can go, right? In my fraternity house, we used to have this thing where we would ask somebody if they had a comment and be like, seeing none, moving on, right? Like, do it that way. Deep breathing in deep, be like, seeing none, moving on. I'm not, you know, psh, go away automatic negative thought. Go away self-judgment. Go away self-doubt. Go away blame, shame, guilt, anger, animosity. Any of these automatic negative thoughts, let them just exhale right out of your body. All right, and then the the A in Abra is um, aligning yourself back to your own truth about who you are and what you've done, right? What is the opposite of the negative thought, right? That becomes a positive affirmation, 
right? So what what would be the opposite of of a of you know, uh, you know, my book sucks because it wasn't a New York Times bestseller. A, a positive affirmation on that would be, you know, I have a book. I am a published author. I best bestseller on Amazon. What would it be for uh, my body after that injury? I've really lost a ton of muscle, and I'm you know, get put on a little COVID weight. You know, it'd be like, oh, just, ugh, my body is disgusting. You know, it'd be like my my positive affirmation. That's an easy one for me. Is uh, thank you, uh, thank you, everything holy and sacred that I can still walk, because I really messed up my five, six, seven vertebrae, and based on what the MRIs and the doctors have been telling me, I am blessed to have gotten out of that situation, not a quadriplegic. So it's easy for me to come up with a, a positive affirmation. Thank you universe and Jesus and God and Buddha and Allah and all the rest who have said, you know what? Jesse, you don't you don't get to be paralyzed today. Instead, you're going to go on another way. All right? So you want to align yourself back to a truth. Right? Just cuz you you're 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 not making $100,000 a year, maybe you're still stuck at the dead end job you were in whenever you first got sober. You know, and you go, oh, God, why don't I have a better job? I'm such a loser. My finances suck this. Right? Positive affirmation. Look for the opposite of it. That you have a job. That you're able to hold a job. That you're able to go there and and be your best self because you're showing up sober. Like there's, look for the opposite of whatever it is that you're thinking. And then allow that to become your truth. Right? I mean, that's what you, why, why are we as humans so easily just allowing ourselves to go to the negative? Right? Ask yourself, is the ant true? Ask yourself if it's possible to absolutely know that it's true. Ask yourself how to react when you think that thought. Right? These are some of the questions that I found in Dr. Daniel Amen's um, article that I, that I came across. Ask yourself, who would you be if you didn't have that thought? How would you feel? The opposite of, a, of, a, of an automatic negative thought is a, you know, it could become a, you know, it could become a induced positive affirmation. And over the course of time, automatic positive thoughts will be what replaces those automatic negative thoughts. Instead of like, ah, oh, why didn't I learn that song tonight? It'll be like, wow, that was so cool. I got to practice the ukulele and play it for 30 minutes. I still only know chords C and F. I'm not really sure I know how to tune the thing appropriately. I think the tuner that I got uh, was cheap and crappy, and I'm not sure that my cell phone can hear the ukulele correctly. <laughs> but you know what? I love strumming that thing and shooting TikToks with it while I watch football. So that's what we're done talking about today end with these positive affirmations. And the reason why I went into all of this for the last 40 minutes is because I see a lot of posts about, uh, I get that Instagram is really just everybody's best snapshot of themselves, but there are those occasions where people will let their truths out. And I can tell in their language patterns, I can tell by the, the way that they're talking, that there is a disappointment in who they are today and what they would rather be. And I can see that so easily and effortlessly because I do it to myself. It's never good enough. There can always be more. And I know that that's my dad's voice in my head saying, great, you got an A. Why didn't you get an A plus? Great, you got 100%. Why didn't you get 105? 
I remember being baffled when he asked me that. He's like, you could have asked your teacher for extra credit. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? I was like, <laughs> they gave a test. I took the test. I got 100% on the test. And now you're telling me I should have asked them for more tests? Like, I'm 11. What the frick would I want to do that for? <laughs> I was so afraid of disappointing him and getting the belt for not getting straight A's that when the school said you could move into advanced placement classes in third, fourth, fifth, and, and so on grades, I declined because I was getting straight A's. And when I got straight A's, I didn't have to worry about getting the belt. But when I got B's, I got the belt. So why would I take on advanced placement classes and potentially get the belt? whenever I could just stay in the easy classes and get the straight A's. This is the kind of things that happen when we're children. We don't even realize we're making those decisions. But now what that ends up causing me as an adult to do is say, okay, well, this is easy, and I'm acing it right now. So why would I want to push myself out of my comfort zone in order to start taking on more difficult tasks when I might only do 80% as effective? I don't want to do 80% as effective because right now I can pat myself on the back and say, you're a good boy. Yes, you are a good boy, Jesse. Jesse's a good boy. Yes, he is. You want a little treaty, treat, treat? You got 100 today. But I got 100 playing you know, baseball with the ball on a tee. You know, one of those little sticks you put the ball on. Well, of course you can hit that. The ball's standing still. If I want to push myself, gonna, now somebody's going to have to pitch the ball toward me. That's going to make it substantially more difficult. This happened to me as a child as well. I was great at t-ball. And then when they started throwing the ball toward me, I didn't hit it as well. My dad didn't want to practice with me, made fun of how bad my swing was, didn't want to help me get any better. I stopped playing baseball. What did that teach a little kid? If something gets too difficult and you're not good at it, then just stop doing it. So my dad inadvertently programmed in me, if something gets too difficult and you get made fun of, then just stop doing it. Because I quit the violin in sixth grade for the same reason because people were making fun of me for playing the violin, and it was super difficult. Hot cross buns was easy, but uh, row, row, row your boat was not. So I just stopped playing it. I really wish I didn't, because I'd love to know the freaking violin right now. So are you inadvertently still running programs from your past that's causing you not to become your best self now? I know that I've got these programs inside of me, so when things get difficult, I, I, I make sure to pause and push myself through it. I realize that it's not enough. I will never reach the potential I desire for myself by staying in the easy classes because at least I can get straight A's. I would rather push myself and know I tried 100% to my ability and get a 74% than be out there, you know, taking tests that, you know, I, I could have passed when I was three. It's just not, a, it's not enough for me anymore to just sit still and be okay with my own status quo. At the same time, I want to breathe in. Okay, I want, I want to acknowledge that these automatic negative thoughts come in about who I've been versus who I am now versus who I thought I was going to be versus what I can be. Right, I want to breathe all that in. I want to acknowledge it so I don't resist it. I want to exhale that ball of light or that sound wave or that feeling right out of my body and say, thanks, but no thanks. Seeing none, moving on. And then I want to replace it with a positive affirmation. And you can too. In fact, you already have started doing it because I've basically been talking about this for the last 20 minutes. So you've already been running this in your head. And if you haven't been, now that I've called your attention to it, now you're doing it.
<laughs> Greatness lies within us all. We just have to get out of our own damn way. I love everything about you guys being a part of this show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy. Release it and allow your life to flow. Go out there, find me on social media, hunt me down, um, whatever you want to do. Jesse Mogul, Google me. I'm the only one on the planet. It is not hard to find me. Until we meet again, my friends, see you next week. Bye-bye.